Welcome to the 115th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, David Udo, and we are recording on the Monday evening of the two-each FA Cup draw at Swansea, ahead of next weekend's match against Manchester City. So let's introduce this evening's panel. First up, a regular who was unable to join us last time around because work called and sent him to Madrid. He got back in time to spend 18 days off work over the Christmas break, in which he rarely left the house and did potentially irrevocable damage to his liver. He's just completed his first day back on the job and is on sparkling mineral water this evening. It's the life and soul of any party, the man we know as Mr. Mark Arlington. Hello everyone, Happy New Year. Next, the esteemed founder and original editor of the fanzine from which this podcast takes its name. He's also the man behind the Gooners Twitter feed, which gained several thousand new followers recently when he was linked to, linked to by Piers Morgan. He's good enough to fund mine and the panel's food and drink as a reward for our time and opinion, so let's hope he gets his money's worth over the next 50 minutes. A warm welcome to Mr Mike Francis. Good evening, listeners. And to make up the trio of esteemed voices, a debutant on our panel. He's been writing for several years in the Guna, being the author of Anger Management. He tweets as angry of N5 and runs a blog entitled Angry of Islington. So a lot, a lot of anger there, although he seems to be a fairly relaxed character. Perhaps his role as a board member of the Arsenal Supporters Trust helps him to uh, keep himself from boiling over. Hoping he won't smash up the dictaphone, or we won't have a podcast to put out, it's good evening to Mr Phil Wall. Good evening. So, gents, a million things we could possibly talk about, but um, I've, I've got thousands on the piece of paper in front of me, so I'll start at the top and work their way down. Mr Francis, does Arsene Wenger's decision to play strong lineups in the League Cup at Bradford and in the FA Cup third round tie at Swansea indicate he's getting really desperate for the trophies which he said don't matter? It was me thinking we got Bradford well out of the way on the last podcast, but <laughs> that reminds me it was recorded just the night, before. the night before, wasn't it? Yeah, so, great, so we've got to re revisit that. Um, that was a good night. There's a lot of misery, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it clearly does. I mean, the Bradford game was, I think, the most indicative, wasn't it? I mean, it, it, the, the lineup, I was at that game for my sins, and um, uh, as we were sort of congregating under the stand, having a pre match uh, drink, and they read out the team, we went, Bloody hell, we're taking this one seriously, aren't we? He's <laughs> obviously going for like, you know, get it sorted out by half time and he can take off some of the big names. Well, that worked out well. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, you know, obviously that went pear shapes and then, and then we, we got on to Swansea. Well, we, we didn't really have any option other than to play the, mm. the, the first team at Swansea, I don't think, especially after they, they turned us over recently. Um, I hope it continues. I hope, I hope we get the opportunity that it's going to continue in mm. future rounds. Um, but yeah, he is getting desperate for a trophy, I think. What do you think, Mark? Well, yeah, he obviously is, but as daft as it sounds, going back to the League Cup match, I think if you play some of the fringe players, you might have got a decent result. If you look back upon the, you know, the previous match against Reading, mm -hmm. where you had some of the young players like Thomas Icefield coming on over a really good match, you'd like to think that players like him have a bit of a stronger drive, a bit more passion than what we saw in Bradford, and rather raking it over the coals, Yesterday against Swansea was typical Arsenal in mm. the sense that he picked the first team pretty much. Though you say that with Aaron Ramsey once again with his excellent position on the wing, which always brings absolute joy to every Arsenal fan, I think. <coughs> but, um, but yeah, but to answer your question, he's obviously taking it a lot more seriously, but I'm not sure the balance is quite right. Because if you look at a team like Man United, they do make changes. How brilliant to bring Van, I can't even say it, Van Persie off the bench, <laughs> you know, for the second half, scores that amazing, wonderful goal. And even though it sticks in the throat so much as to him say it, you'd like to think we'd have strength and depth to have a few young players in there in the cup games. 
have a good few first team players there too, but with a really strong, strong bench. And even though Wenger has done this about turn, obviously the balance still isn't quite right. Whether it's our first teams are good enough, I'm not sure. But it's definitely not as good tactically as what Man United are doing, is it? Phil, I mean, yesterday we saw a team that you know, lines up the way it does. We've got seven substitutes. And despite the fact Wenger always has pre-planned substitutions at 67 minutes, um, he didn't really want to do anything yesterday because he, he's that desperate to win, true or false? Uh, well, I think it's difficult. I think, you know, as the guys have said, he's, he is taking it more seriously. But is it also indicative that we don't actually have a very strong squad? There isn't a lot he can do. <clears throat> you know, he's. Um, what I'm puzzled about actually is why Rizicki is sitting on the bench every match and mm-hmm. never coming on. Um, <coughs> Ramsey is there on the wing, as we've seen. Nobody appears to know why. Uh, but you know, other than that, we we're playing what what should be a strong enough team, but they're not performing anyway. They're not performing particularly well in the league, and. In the league, you scrape the draw, and you think, well, that's okay. You've got the next match in the cup, you scrape the draw, you go to replay. And in a way, it just feels like we're postponing the inevitable having a replay against Swansea. Even if we get past Swansea, oh, yeah. we've got the mighty Brighton then, is it? And then, uh, you know, God knows what else afterwards. It, it, it doesn't feel like a squad which is going to win a cup, whatever mm. Arsenal Wenger wants to do with it. I mean, from a certain point of view, uh, is it so much that he's not getting desperate? Is, is that he's, he's playing the only team he can put out? Because we've only got 11, maybe 12 players who can play in the first team, and then a selection of crap. Well, it's certainly the case at the minute, isn't it? I mean, there's, you know, we, we, we hop back to the Reading game in, in the League Cup, mm. when Shamak started in that. Well, we haven't got him anymore. He's, no. at, he's <laughs> at West Ham. Giroud, I don't know whether he's... Played many, he hasn't really played at all. But you know, he's off on loan as well, isn't he? and mm. hopefully there might be one or two others that, that that go through the exit door in the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, you know, we, we need a few mm. more in as well. Yeah. On the subject of, of uh, Johan Juru going, it looks as though Sebastian Scalacci is going to be fobbed off to um, uh, to somewhere in France, probably Bastia, who nearly got him last summer. Um, and according to an awful lot of websites, they Ignacy Mikel's going to go out as well, either to Elche or Sheffield Wednesday on loan. So. Uh, we're a team that's defending really, really badly right now. I mean, you've got Florence Koscielny and her token own goals every time she plays, and poor Mertesacker um, was made to look like an idiot yesterday by Michu who couldn't get anywhere in Spain before us. I mean, Mark, is our defending the worst it's ever been, and what's going to happen? It is, and I'll tell you what, Dave, I was thinking about our um, centre-halves the other day. Our four first-choice centre-halves without being melodramatic, are all pretty rubbish. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Thomas Van Marlen obviously had an amazing first season. Absolutely, playing next to a be, proper centre-half. Can't be denied, but you're right, Gallas told him where to go, where to... Mm-hmm. Since then, he was injured for the second season, injured half of last season, he got made captain now, he's been woeful ever since. Mm-hmm. So, a four years with us, he's had one good season. Yeah, absolutely. he was probably the best at half he had last season, but still prone to massive errors. And this season happens all the time. Murtasaka, who occasionally can look world class, can also look at times the most <coughs> ponderous centre half of all time. The guy can't jump, even though he's seven foot two. It's unbelievable. Depressingly, he's our best defender. Juru's <laughs> bugging off now. Scalacci, as you said, might be him going. Yeah. And they give us like on, on the fullbacks. Same year since he come back from injury has been absolutely woeful. Mm-hmm. In fact, the corporal was dropped, I think it is disgusting. Having said that, the corporal's last game, he was terrible too. And then you've got Gibbs that scored an amazing goal yesterday, but by the same token was responsible for probably every other goal going in. So I don't know where to start. And that's, and that's not even think about Santos, 
So I just, I just beg this belief, Dave. And all I will say is, is that at least it's entertaining. Uh, are we at a stage, Phil, whereby it looks as though Jody and Lescott's leaving Man City? Um, we could really do with him and players of his quality, couldn't we? Uh, unbelievably, I think we actually could. Yeah, I think the the, um, the difficult thing for me here is that Arsene Wenger inherited the best defence in English football ever. Correct. And all he had to do to it for the first five, six years, whatever, was bring in Sol Campbell and Ashley Cole, who were also world-class players. Mm-hmm. And since then... It's just gone gradually downhill, and now we're, we're start, not just gradually anymore, we're now really going downhill. I mean, mm. you know, Mark has uh, concisely outlined <laughs> the faults of the various candidates there. <coughs> they can't really add to that very much. But I think Arsene Wenger got very, very lucky, because defending, coaching defending, clearly is not his strong point. Mm. I we, would agree with that, Phil, but I would say, even though it's a, it, his first team, sorry, the team that won the um, double, was that his second defence he built himself, didn't he? So when you had Lauren, Torre, Cole and Campbell, that defence was entirely made by Arsene Wenger. So you having, having, what said that, having said that, Colo Torre had to beg to play at centre-half because Wenger said, no, you're five foot nine. You can't play at centre-half. That's absolutely ridiculous. It was only that pre-season when all of our defenders got injured. Uh, I think he played at centre-half in the Charity Shield. Played really well and Wenger went, we'll give it a go see what happens. Ashley Cole only ended up in the team because Silvino had um, a passport oh, he made himself. Um, oh, totally, and you know, and I think, and I think there was a half million pound deal going through with Crystal Palace at the last bit. We said no, Absolutely. and kept Ashley Cole. But even though I agree with what Phil's saying, totally, is that you know, Wenger inherited the most amazing defence of all time. He was able to build a double-winning de- defence. Mm. The fact that he can't do it now is gutting. But why is that then? Why can't he do it now? Because he's lost his mojo. It's a, it's a bigger issue. About the day he might ask the question, but he's, he's a different man, different manager, different times. Well, is it just that, or is it said that there was that there were people still at the club who had a bit of Arsenal about them? Mm. That you know, Keon was still <coughs> around, wasn't he, from that double season? Did he just do a bit of organising? You know, he was, he was credited, rightly or wrongly, with, mm. with a lot of the, the Champions League defending um, mm. in, the, in the run to the final in two thousand and six. Um, you know, maybe just maybe we just lost that last connection to the old Arsenal, and and that hasn't helped, or you know that has, that's reflected badly. I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense, does no. it? You know, we know Wenger is an intelligent guy. We also know he's stubborn, and you know it's been, it's been talked about on this podcast and everywhere mm. else as well. Um, you know, Bold, Boldy was expected to be the answer, and for whatever reason that hasn't worked out that's the weird thing the first four games this year our back five played really really well and then Chesney dropped one in the, uh, the Southampton game and gave him one and then after that that seemed to deflate the entire defence um, gone are the days where even under George he'd bring in Pates and Linegan for next to nothing one would score against Ben Fiki, the other one would score an FA Cup winning goal um, are there any defenders any of you can think off the top of your heads you'd like uh, apart from, I don't know, bringing Eddie Hapgood back from the dead. <laughs> and the silence sadly <laughs> says it all. The oh, I think the reason is, Dave, is it's very difficult when you go for the Premier League to say which players you want to buy, because that's not our policy. Mm. We don't really buy proven players in the Premier League. Wenger's transfer policy is generally to go outside. Mm. I don't really know enough about European football. Mm. And as we always shop in the bargain basement, normally in the French League, which I know nothing about, no. it's no difficult to kind of um, say. And obviously I want to approach this transfer window window with a sense of realistic realism for want of a better mm. expression and the fact of the matter is is that I'll be happy with them anyone 
that might just freshen up the M team. Because, you know, when we did get Scalamacci in as dark as it sounds, he was right for the first few matches. I so agree. after, like, agree. you know, 10 or so games, he started making mistake after basically the general influx of people. He, he, had, he had Chamax syndrome. His first three months were great. Then he scored the own goal uh, at Wigan. And yeah. that seemed to deflate his entire form. But don't forget, Scalamacci did come with a decent amount of pedigree. Mm. He played for decent teams. He was a French international. And by rights, so perhaps it's our coaching, and it all goes back to Steve Bowles and the point that Mike raised there yeah. is that we all expected Steve Bowles to have an influence on defending. It looked like it might do. And just, and does Steve Bowles really want to do zonal mm. marking? You know, it'd be great to really get his views and his opinions. How much influence does Steve Bowles actually have? And that is the question that's been asked in many, many forums, many, <coughs> many blogs. But going back to the thing about what you said, Mike, having like an Arsenal person there, having their influence, is Steve Bold actually allowed to have that? Well, I mean, that's a question that's been asked, isn't it, so many times. I mean, yeah. Who knows? I mean, we don't know. We can, we can, we can speculate all we like, but we, none of us really know whether you, he's you allowed to say, though, there is no, there's no body language between Bold and being on the bench, is there at all? Mm. They don't seem to talk to each other. They don't seem to be, you know, swapping little bits of information or having or asking for advice or anything else. It doesn't seem to happen. Although there was that weird thing during the Newcastle game when, um, uh, after he committed his first of 200 errors, Kieran Gibbs, uh, and they scored their second goal. As soon as Arsenal went up the other end and scored, um, Bold ran onto the pitch and you could see him grab hold of Kieran Gibbs and bellow in his face some instructions. Knowing Wenger and knowing Bold, I'm pretty certain Bold probably did that himself because I think he got shot afterwards by Wenger for having too much authority. But um, I think Boldy tried, you can see that the first four games of the year. Again, he'd stand up, go to the edge of the box and shout something. And then there were an awful lot of rumours that there was a row uh, between two. I say a row, one of them had told the other one not to do his fucking job. Um, so th- uh, who knows? Who knows? I have to say, ju- ju- just, just for the record on that, I know there has been a lot of speculation and, mm. and a lot of it came from Stuart Robson, who I think we're all probably agreed is a, is a bitter man indeed. <laughs> um, and I, I, I can't go into who where this came from, unfortunately, but it, it, it did come from a very good source, an ex-Arsenal player, legendary fullback, played on the left side. <laughs> <laughs> and he, 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 he went to Baldy's 50th birthday party and um, asked him about it and he said, don't know where this is coming from, there's absolutely no problem between me and Arsenal. It didn't go any further. I'd have loved to have sort of said, "Well, you know, did, are you allowed to get get hold of the players and tie them up with bits of string like George did?" But um, you know, we didn't get into that. Anyway, looking at a, a few of the, the defenders with name, people like Fat Santos, Kieran Gibbs, uh, and going back looking at people at Colo Toure and Ashley Cole. These people aren't defenders. These are people who join Arsenal as some kind of attack or midfield player. But Wenger says, "Now I know that you think you're absolutely great and you score loads of goals for the reserve team, but you're a, centre- you're a left back. Trust me. Trust me. I mean, playing players players out of position. Phil, should players fit the system, or should our system be adapted for the players? I think largely the players should fit the system. Mm-hmm. They should be good enough to work with what they're told to do." And uh, you, you mentioned Ashley Cole there. Well, if Ashley Cole's not a left back, mm. he's made a damn good job of imitating <laughs> one for the last sort of 10, 15 yeah. years. So, um, so, you know, that, I don't think there's a problem with that particular decision. Uh, Lauren moved around a bit, but he was, he was adaptable. He could mm. play different places. Torre as well. Um, I guess some players can handle it and some can't. I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily our problem at the moment. I mm. think, uh, you know, we've got problems certainly around individual mistakes. Sure. And... 
uh, and players maybe just not being up to the standard that they should be. But I'm not sure it's the system that's the problem at the moment. We, we, we touched it earlier on, but what about Aaron Ramsey, this guy who was, well, originally supposed to be the guy taking Denilson's place in the team and in this formation would be one of the two defensive midfield players. Um, he's, he's thrown on the left wing, as we see all the time, and the poor guy looks like, you know, he doesn't know if he needs a shit or a haircut. Mike, your thoughts? He's been played on the right wing quite a lot. Left wing, left wing was the first time I think we'd seen him there. Oh, and Everton, he did it as but well. Yeah, he's, he's just not a winger. I mean, he, he hasn't got the pace. He hasn't got. He doesn't release the ball quick enough. He always takes two touches. Now, you know, I actually thought he did all right yesterday. To be mm. fair, I mean, he did put in one very good cross, which Giroud should have scored from. Um, but I just don't think we're doing him any favours playing him there. And you know, it's something we've, we've sort of talked about in previous podcasts about. You know, Wenger's very much very protective as his players, and we don't buy players because it will destroy the play, the career of Danielson, Diaby, or whatever. Mm. But surely we're not doing him any favours by playing him out of position consistently, game after game after game. His confidence must be shot to pieces. Mm. Well, looking at another player, Mark, what the hell do you do with Jovino? Is he a left winger? Is he a centre forward? Or is he the new entertainer in the dressing room? I'd like to say sorry to listeners to this podcast because about three issues ago I had made a case for him saying he's not as bad as everyone's making out. I did the same lark on myself. And to yeah. give him a chance. And then I think after that it was five or six games of total and utter shitness. There's no other way to kind of pull it. Um, luckily, he's off to the African Cup of Nations now, isn't he, for a couple of months. I really hope the Ivory Coast gets the final. I so really do. I think that solved a huge problem, the fact we managed to ship him out. But I think Javinho sums up, really, to me, he encapsulates the current Arsenal squad. To me, he epitomises it. Every now and then, you see a little shining light, a little bit of flair, a little beacon coming through, then you realise, actually, it's not very good after all, and just this sort of settle down for some awful mediocrity. Mm. Javinho, to answer your question, he should not be anywhere near the first team. How much did he cost? 11, 12 million pounds? Yeah, and he was replaced by Joe Cole, who was 30 years old and couldn't give a flying fuck to be at Lille. And we've all given him a chance, and people spoke about first season syndrome, would it take, you know, could it be a Robert Perez type scenario where he got better on the second season? Well, people forget Robert Perez's first season where he wasn't that great, still got 15 goals. Um, I don't think Javino got anywhere near that. And um, second season, he hasn't really kicked on apart from the opening couple of games where Wenger played him up front. He got a couple of lucky miss hits when it into the goal. He's had his time. He's had 18 months now. He's had a season and a half in the M team. He is not the player for Arsenal. Simple as that. I don't have any player now. We've all tried to make cases for him. Me and Steve Ashford on this podcast. We're really trying to get behind the fella. It doesn't count now, does it? Mm, absolutely not, sadly. Can I, I think you he will, make he will a case be, for him? No, no, he'll be shipped out at the end of the year, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure even Arsene Wenger has got to see it. Well, the thing that amused me was last season, uh, John Cross uh, in the mirror was uh, saying, wrote an article saying, sometimes it looks like Jovino hasn't quite got control of the ball. And I put on my blog, well, that's because he hasn't quite got control of the ball. <laughs> and it's got worse this season. And, it, and even John Cross is now saying, oh, this, this bloke is not good enough to play for Arsenal. So uh, I, th I think there are probably very few people left who think that he is. And I'm sure Arsenal Wenger is going to see it fairly soon. Aren't we going to be left in the same situation as we are with other players, though, that he's on a contract of, I don't know, 50 grand a week, say, mm. and no one else is going to get anywhere near well, close to that because they've seen him play for us for the last two years. Do you remember 10 years ago, Winston Bohard was at Chelsea. He was playing reserve team football, couldn't get anywhere near the first team, and everyone around <coughs> football was slating him. He's just a money-grabbing bastard. He'll quietly play reserve team football. We've got about seven of them now, haven't we? 
I mean, look at Scalacci, for example. Um, um, Arsenal accepted a free transfer approach from Bastia in the summer, uh, went over there, and they said, look, we're willing to push the boat out and pay you €10,000 a week. And he said, well, no, I'm on £50,000 a week in England. Uh, and uh, he had to get his own boat home. So there we go. Anyway, look, it is January. Um, it is the chance to buy some new players. And the current issue of the Guna has a feature on mid-season signings. There's a, a brilliant reference to Jose Antonio Reyes in there by... David Udo. Um, <laughs> can, can such an arrival really change the way a season's going? I mean, who would it take to change the course of Arsenal's current season, which looks to be heading the way of every other one since 2006? Who do you want, Mike? That's a good question, isn't it? Um, I, th I think, yes, some, you know, the right signing can motivate the team or kick, kick us on, give us a bit of belief. Um, who that right signing is, I really haven't got a clue. Um, because I, I think... The players who could do it aren't realistic targets for Arsenal. Messi. <laughs> yes, yeah, Messi, <laughs> Messi and Ronaldo, basically. I mean, Falcao, you know, yeah. I mean, he's in, probably in the same category, isn't he? But, um, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about David Villa over the last mm. couple of days. I, I, again, I, I don't see us going anywhere near that one. With, he's 31. He's just, just recovered from all. He's been back about probably about a year now, probably from his broken leg. But yeah, it probably fits him perfectly at our place. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't see it, I don't see us paying big money for him. Um, he's going to want hundred grand plus a week. Um, but that, it might be that type of signing who could just I don't know instill some belief back in the team. But I'm not convinced that's the position we need in some ways. We did it about sort of three, four years ago with Arshvin, didn't we? Who came in and um, became our best player over the course of six months. <laughs> Phil, is there anyone knocking on your door? Um, I've got to say there isn't, no. I mean, uh, Via is the kind of person that we could do with. But like Mike says, 16 million for a 31-year-old, four-year contract. Doesn't seem very likely. He's, you know, he's not going to want to move um, for less than a four-year contract, I would imagine. Uh, or a big fat signing on fee and 100 grand a week so it doesn't seem like Arsene's style doesn't seem like Arsenal's style um, <clears throat> the, the one I always, uh, always remember is of course um, Tino Spreer at Newcastle who uh, went in looked like they were going to win the league and then uh, there was all the old I would love it love it <laughs> if we beat them and they didn't um, Man United walked off with as usual. So, uh, you know, it can have a positive impact and a negative impact. Arshavin, as you said, David, was very positive, worked out really well, or looked like it was working out really well. Um, I don't know. I mean, I see all the transfer gossip. I see it all on Twitter, but um, I, I don't follow the European leagues closely. We have to know who would be a good fit and who wouldn't. I mean, that's, that's what Arsene and his scouting team are supposed to be doing. Mm. Mark, there's been an awful lot in the a lot, lot, lot of talk in the paper recently about Jonas Olsen from West Brom. We're getting rid of our centrals for no good. This guy's got a really cheap um, minimum fee release for clause of only three million pounds. So I'm sure that that will uh, that will make Uncle Stan really, really happy. Um, that kind of player, anyone at all, or just see what happens. It'll never happen in a million years because he plays in Man City, but. The type of player we need is a Vincent Company type player. We need a central defender that can yeah. come in, has played Premier League football, that can organise and get a team up by the scruff of its neck. But the sad fact is, is that why would someone from a team like Man City join Arsenal? It's not going to happen. So that's why we do have to go out. I can't think of any defender of their ilk in the other teams that we could really get hold of. Surely we haven't been linked with Philip Mexis yet this year. <laughs> 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 or Sebastian Fry. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Um, but well, to me, it's centre half, and I think you know it's easy to We mentioned it in previously in this um, podcast earlier. Defence is, I think, absolutely key. Mm. And whilst we're currently relying on our current players, we, we, it's going to be a struggle to come in this coveted top four position. Mm. So, um, well. The other side of the transfer window is, let's say we do find a player like Via who will be available for a relatively cheap fee of about 15, 16 million pounds. Crikey, it wasn't talk like that 10 years ago. Um, are, with regards to his wages though, I mean, a very good point that Phil raised was that, you know, he's still going to want at least 100,000 pounds a week to leave Spain for the first time in his life. And I wouldn't blame him for doing that. Despite the fact he's a, a guy who can't play in Barcelona's 4-2-3-1 as a lone centre forward. How do we play? Bollocks. Right. Okay, so Wenger recently stated, this is his quote, We have no players on £200,000 a week, and I think other clubs will come down to us with financial fair play. We have a more socialist model. Well, where to start? Where to start with that? Mike, can Arsenal's pay structure be really described as socialist? Um, will it have to, ch- have to change for us to achieve better results? Um, this financial fair play bollocks, is it actually going to happen and bring wages down? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only answer you need, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. Financial fair play is not going to have any effect at all, or minimal at best. Um, the problem with our wage structure, you know, in some ways I, I, I like the idea of it, but while we're the only team that adopts it, in it's, the not, world. it's not going to work. You know, um, we pay we pay everyone between thirty and a hundred thousand a week, and and you know so the, so there's no disharmony in the dressing room mm. supposedly. You know, I'd love to know. I mean, Jack Jack Wilsh is supposedly just signed a five year contract on eighty grand a week. You know, good right. for him. You know, I mean, I'm delighted he signed, and uh, you know, fair play to him. And I'm sure, but I'm sure he'll be renegotiating that in a 12, 18, 24 months time. Mm. Um, meanwhile, we're going to go and give. Well, are we going to go and give Theo Walcott a hundred grand a week? Who knows? Um, but you know, if I was Mr. Wilshire, I'd be going. Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I want a bit, 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 bit of parity there. Um, mm. And we, we've just got to sort that problem out because that that takes us back to the problem. We've got too many players on the fifty grand a week. Who, if they won thirty grand a week, I'd have no problem with it. No, I'm no. sure they'd get by. You know, I'm sure they'd, <laughs> they'd, they'd, they wouldn't need to drop from shopping in, in you know, down down to Waitrose level. Yeah, you know, sure. they'd probably still be, you know, getting a home shopping from elsewhere, from Harrods okay. or somewhere. But um, from every Lidl in Finsbury Park, <laughs> bump into Olivier Giroud, Zuta Law. But it would it would then allow us to to pay the likes of Wilshire, the Walcott, if if depending on your point of view on Walcott, or the likes of Van Persie should we ever be lucky enough to have a player like that again yeah. the big money the 150 200 grand a week Phil Ashley Cole and Samir Nasri are two players who blatantly left this club for more money as much as okay right they've gone and won the league in the European <laughs> Cup but apart from that um, they did leave for the money um, is it, should we bearing in mind we've got between 80 and uh, 100 million pounds burning a hole in the bank account for us should we, should we just man up and pay players what essentially Barcelona Manchester United Manchester City are all doing I think it's almost inevitable that we're going to have to pay the top ones more I disagree with Mike slightly about FFP I think it is going to have some effect and I think the big push is from the owners of clubs who want to stop where you spiraling up because they want to take the money out Mm-hmm. and the difficulty is going to be stopping the players doing that uh, and that's a problem for the fans as well as for the owners because as long as the 
players are taking more and more money, then we're going to be paying more and more to go and watch matches. But in two years' time, there's a new TV, TV deal coming in. Arsenal also have the uh, bonanza coming of the new kit deal and, um, and shirt sponsor. So um, there's, there's going to be a lot more money around. Now, if, uh, as, as you said, Mike, as Jack Wilshire has signed, a, if he signed a five-year deal, in two years, there'll be a lot more money floating around. And his agent is going to be saying, well, we signed that in, in old terms. Now he wants more. If you want him to extend that, he's got three years left. If you want him to extend another couple of years on that, then you're going to have to double it. And I think it's, it's going to be very difficult for the clubs to do anything about it. They're all going to have to band together, but this is where FFP could make a difference. If there's a kind of English FFP as opposed to the UEFA one, and the clubs all band together and start making rules about salary caps and whatever else, then, yeah, it could have an effect on wages. But would it have an effect on Arsenal doing any better against anybody else? Probably less likely, I would mm. say. What do you think, Mark? Look at Van Persie. Do you think there's any current player in the Arsenal team that would begrudge paying him 200 grand a week, knowing the fact that they stand a lot more chance of getting bigger win bonuses, the fact that he's in the team, and the fact that they're probably going to up the league and stand a bigger chance of winning trophies? Fair point. If I was Jack Wilshire on 80 grand a week, I'd be very happy for Van Persie to be on 200 grand a week. And the fact we probably lost out to him, it obviously was due to the fact we weren't winning you know, any trophies and stuff, but we also wouldn't pay him the big money, would we? And to me, that, that, that type of player, you have to pay massive amounts of money for them. You can't get by paying a player like Van Persie 100 grand a week. And I don't know what our top offer to him was. Mm. I've heard it, what, 110, 120 was the real, real top level we were ever going to go. That's not going to cut the mustard. I don't think a player like Phil is worth 100 grand a week. But if that's what it takes to keep another player at the club, mm. we've got to do it. And I've really had a, you know, backtracked on this because at the start of the season, if I had said it, I'd have gone, no way should he be here for, you know, 100 grand a week. But when you look at the current players that we've got and where our squad has fallen to and the current players we now have, Theo Walcott's now starting looking really good. And that's more the fact <laughs> we've got players like Chamac yeah. or he's now gone, but, you know, <laughs> or the um, Javinios of the world. But a player like Walcott has now assumed greater status at the club and is one of our best assets. So if we're not going to pay him 100 grand a week, somebody else will. And so I've changed my mind totally with regards to that. And we've got to pay what it takes to keep him at the club. And if mm. Wilsh wants an extra 20 grand for that reason, give it to him. I don't pay the highest prices in world football, Dave, as you always say, your great line, <laughs> to basically not pay an extra 10 grand a week. And wasn't it a matter of like, you know, £5,000 is what Ashley Cole went to Chelsea? Was it 55 grand rather than 50 or something That's like that? That's right, he wanted 60. Yeah. And that was the reason why he buggered off to Chelsea over the case of 5,000 pounds. If we carry on doing this, we're going to go further and further, Dave, into a sea of despair and mediocrity. It's going to get worse. I'm going to end up in the, in the Priory. It's yeah. going to be terrible. It, so it's, this is the Arsenal way. It's always been the Arsenal way. It's going to be a major difference if they do change the wage structure. Because I, I read the other day, Pat Jennings said back in the 70s, we wouldn't have cared if Liam Brady had earned a load more money than us, three times as much or whatever, because we knew that with him in the team we'd have a better chance of winning trophies. Mm. Of course, he disappeared off to Italy, fair enough. You know, Italian clubs were bigger at the time, he wanted to win something, he wanted more money as well. So, you know, you can't blame him for it. But that's, that's always been the Arsenal way. I, I, can't, I, no, I can't see that it's going to change very quickly, unfortunately, because there are just too many of them who keep getting... Just Arsenal Vega just keeps putting them on the deals, the socialist deals, where uh, you know I don't know any of the socialists who gets fifty grand a week, but um, 
you know, it all all of them on that kind of average money, you know, I use the word average, <laughs> I use the word average you know, I don't mean the average man, I mean that's the average at Arsenal, they're all yeah. on, that's the average at Arsenal, they, they get, on average, first team players get over 50 grand a week, which is just ludicrous in many ways, mm. and yet it doesn't do us any good, it really doesn't do us any good, we can't attract the top players, we can't get rid of the crap, so mm. we're, we're stuffing ourselves, uh, Arsenal has got to sort it out, it really has. Admittedly, I've not read much of Karl Marx since I was at university, to be completely honest, but no, nowhere have I read the expression that socialists are signing for an undisclosed fee on a long-term contract. Um, with regards to Robin Van Persie, uh, and if we were willing to pay three times more than the rest of the team, because I'll be so thankful, to, th so thankful to have him, Van Persie's come out recently and his quote's been, I feel that I'm surrounded by champions. Everyone wants to help each other. Everyone's keen for everyone else to score. Defenders are working their socks off for the midfielders. The midfielders are working for the strikers. Everybody wants to run and everybody has one target in their mind. They know how to win and that makes it really easy for me. Mike, what do those words say about his former teammates? I think you can read a lot into it. I mean, we, we all sit here and go, nod our heads and go, well, yeah, he's just highlighted all the problems that we've been ranting on about. I'm not quite sure it was as he was meaning it in that way. Mm. I think he was just... You know, saying I'm happy here and, and and we're doing well and we're all pulling in the same direction. He probably said the same thing. If you look back, he probably said much the same thing 12 months ago about mm. us. Um, and uh, it, it was it wasn't true then. It probably is now. But um, yeah, I, I, I think I, you can read too much into those words. Let's not fuck around, Phil. He's saying that uh, our team are lazy <laughs> and they don't know if they want a shit and haircut. They don't know if what? They do if they want a shit or a haircut. Oh, I see. Well, um, <clears throat> they probably don't, many of them. I, th I think I know which one Javino wants. But, um, uh, I, 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 like Mike, I wouldn't read too much into it. I mean, he's going to say, he's going to keep his current teammates and his current fans at Man United happy. He can say what he wants, I'm not bothered. What do you think, Mark? Did, did you uh, read those over the weekend? Did it start making you think, dear God, you know, we are a team that's built around shit? No, I never really listened to what footballers say. It's all pretty much done soundbite culture that we live in now, David. You can't really listen to it. But what I will say on the Van Persie thing is, I hated him at the start of this season. I was one of these fans that felt hurt and betrayed. How could he have done it to us? <laughs> Worries me. Now I think, I think to myself, let's, let's be honest, there's not one person here that would not done it. He's probably laughing every single day. Because yeah. he's probably going to win the, win the league. Yeah, I would have thought And can so. we blame him? As much as it pains me to him say it, he's, he's having the time of his life. Scoring brilliant goals. I mean, he's got to play that Wayne Rooney idiot every single week, but you can't have everything in life, can you? But let's play it. Rather play with Wayne Rooney than like Jovino. Mm. Well, look, he left last year with one year left on his contract. We had to make the money whilst we could, and an awful lot of Arsenal. But did we, though, David? That's the point. Did we? Well, that's, oh, I, think I think on that on that current model, yes, we did. <laughs> but that's the galling thing, though, because we're talking about buying a player, David Villa, in the transfer window. Just say we did. Signing on fee, mm. wages, everything else. Surely that's just the cost of what it would be to let Van Persie go at the end of the season. £25 million. And if we miss out on Champions League qualification, that's that money spunked up the wall anyway. I don't think any of us can argue with that, to be completely honest. However, this year... In Makes me mad, David, but anyway, get on with you. Get on with you <laughs> Most of this season's made me mad, seriously. I started the year with dreadlocks, now look at me, I'm bolder than anything. Um, when they're in the situation this year, though, with Theo Walcott, whereby his contract's running out, we want him to sign, despite the fact there are some Arsenal fans who still boo him 
um, if he uh, if he fails to score. Um, I, I love sitting in the North Bank Cup. It's great being surrounded by football tourists and some idiots. But um, Mike, has Theo made a good enough case in the last few weeks where he's finally been played as a centre forward, as I've been asking for for the last four years? Has he made a good enough case to be awarded the £100,000 a week his agents are allegedly asking for, demanding, if you will? I'm on record on this podcast back in September saying I'd have given him hundred grand a week back then and he hadn't made any sort of case. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, very, um, very wise. That's why the <laughs> publisher of the game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <no>. It's law <laughs> of averages. If I, say, if I say enough things, occasionally I'll get one right. Yeah. Um, I'm not, so I'm if, not he worth, if he was worth 100000 in September, what's he worth now? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? If I was his agent, he'd, he, you know, Arsenal would be having all sorts of problems. I'd be back there going, I'm on 140 now. Um, I, th- I think he has, to be fair. I think he's, he's, he's shown some desire. He's, he's played, I'm, not, I'm still not convinced by him as a, a centre forward out every time, but he, ha, he can do it on occasion, mm. maybe, maybe it's flat track bully, you know, against the weaker opposition, but he certainly made a difference in, in games and, um, you know, he's provided assists. His stats stack up, he's, he's scored goals, he's made goals, you can't really ask for a lot more. He's going to have some duff games, most players of that type, mm. a winger, do. You know, I think even Pires maybe have been one of one of the exceptions to the rule, but most most of the players, the, the Overmars of this world, um, you know, and going back further, would would, would have, have some games where they just didn't didn't perform, um, and I think I think he'll be much like that. But I'd give him the money, case personally. What about you, Phil? Would you re-sign him, or if Chelsea came in on the thirtieth of January and said, Look, "Let's not fuck around," is sixteen million pounds? Can we have him? Would you prefer him to go and we take that money? Or do you think we just need to time him up, time up for another five, six years? I think it's, if it's a choice between sell him or he walks away at the end of the season, well, is he enough to make a difference for the rest of the season? Is he going to keep us in the Champions League places? I don't know, it's all highly debatable. I, I guess, on balance, yeah, I think I would take the risk and say keep him and hope we get in the Champions League and... Then you know we've got forty million quid for that, rather than sixteen million quid for selling him in January. So I, I would take that risk. Whether the board would take the same risk, I, I doubt because they, uh, you know, they sold Nasri when he wanted to go. They sold Van Persie with one year left, uh, rather than let him run down. So I think the board are happy to take the money and take the, um, you know, take the risk that we carry on getting in the Champions League. Mm. Um, uh, rather than take the risk of uh, of letting the contract run down and getting nothing for them. As regards how Theo is playing, uh, I think he is playing better this season than he has done before. His finishing has certainly improved. If he was at any other club, there's no way I'd think he was £100,000 a week player. But, uh, you know, given the circumstances, uh, you know, rocking a hard place at the moment. We've If we don't give him the money, he goes... If he goes, it's just another in a long line, and it encourages others to go, and it doesn't encourage people to come in. So I think we're we're a bit stuffed. And uh, <laughs> although I encourage the uh, the board and Mr. Wenger to negotiate with his agent as hard as they can, just um, make sure he doesn't actually walk out. Were you one of the sixty thousand people singing "Sign him up, sign him up, sign him up" during the Newcastle home game, Mark? Um, I was, and I think Phil outlined it brilliantly there, really, actually, and, you know, what an impressive podcast debut this man's having. But, um, <laughs> uh, but what I think I said to, uh, a few seconds before, really, is when you look at the current players in the squad now, there's not much to choose from. 
and we've got to do everything we can to him keep him because we're not going to sign players of a better calibre than Theo Walcott and if we let him go we are totally scuppered and if he goes in January where the goal was really going to come from it, it doesn't beg of, it really doesn't beg a belief seriously it's we are going to be in so much trouble oh gotcha I mean we'd be reliant on the man I'm convinced is my uncle Olivier Giroudo um, aside, aside from Walcott you're on fire tonight David thank you very much <laughs> thank you well so some, some people are some, all some, fighting some listeners <laughs> wish you were on fire but anyway <laughs> Um, well, I found it a bit weird at the end of the Newcastle game, personally. It took him an awful long time to get off the pitch. I mean, I stayed there and clapped him off, but I was there for about ten minutes whilst he did two laps of the pitch. That's a way of saying goodbye, worryingly, isn't it? I, don't, I never stayed for these. I, I, I have to get, get the tube. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> no, it's, it, my, no, it's, it's myself, a, it's, find a girlfriend. It's, yeah, it's no, a no, long no. journey back to the suburbs. <laughs> I have to say, I, 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 again, I didn't read anything into that. He, he, he's one of the few players who always comes and acknowledges the fans. And he, he normally does the wave and all that. And he had the match ball to show off as well. So Yeah, he got a hat-trick, of course. Did anyone, did anyone have the balls yeah. to come and at least say thank you to, uh, to the fans at Bradford? I don't know, I, I, I was probably too disillusioned, but I can't remember what was going on. His eyes were filled with tears. Yeah. Yeah, well, to be fair, I wasn't the only one. Wilshire was on the pitch, yeah. and, and he collapsed on, where, where, on the halfway line when the penalty went in. He, he just sort of slumped to the ground, mm. and all the Bradford fans were running on, and, and he did look, from the TV pictures I saw, it did look like he was virtually in tears. Yeah. And he did, he was on my side, so he sort of gave a bit of a half-hearted, but you know, he, he was clearly... Um, dejected as, as we all were yes well whilst we're still hoping that Theo does his thing and, and hopefully he does sort itself in the next couple of weeks we did announce a few weeks yeah, ago that song's appalling by the way it, it just sign up just so I don't have to hear that song anymore <laughs> sign the ting yeah it was funny the first time not the 75th time the, the amount of people who hashtag that and stick it on the end of their oh, Twitter no. and Facebook does, don't get me started these kids with a the computer oh, yeah, it's like, crazy isn't it what the kids get up to these days <laughs> I think I might have done that apologies no I think I did it first but like, four months on he hasn't signed the ting is he so Theo please sign the ting please hashtag if Jimmy Savile could fix anything for anyway anyway um, so uh, oh, it, whilst, whilst we're still waiting for, um, for Theo to sign um, sign the ting so signed that team. Um, hopefully, teams will be re. Um, Don't be racist. It was some of my best friends are footballers. It's fine. So um, uh, we did announce that our other very young British players, uh, Aaron Ramsey, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Kieran Gibbs, the centre midfielder playing left back, um, and Jack Wilshire have signed very long-term contracts. And the corporal. And, and the sorry, yeah, Jenko, Jenko as well. Um, Don't definitely the corporal. So well, you you didn't realise you're the only member of the Jenko fan club. So I've set it up on Facebook. You'll be the only person who's a member of that group. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, like lol. Um, are these long-term contracts signed by the young British players going to mean greater loyalty to the team in the future, Phil? I doubt it. <laughs> um, loyalty is just all about the money these days, isn't it? I mean, you yeah. know, they they come and go as they please. Almost these days, don't they? Players, they in and out. Uh, who's got the biggest checkbook? That'll do. I don't think there's any. Um, you may get you may get one off. You may get uh, possibly Jack Wilshere is like another Tony Adams who mm. is you know in love with Arsenal and wants to stay there for his whole career. That may be the case. He certainly said that. Whether that holds true in five years, when you know, God forbid, we still won nothing and uh, Man United come calling, you know, three times European champions, probably five times European champions by then. So uh, you know, 
I, I wouldn't put too much store by any length of contract, to be honest. I sadly, I, I agree with you completely. What about you, Mike? Um, did, did it make you smile to see five people around the table with Wenger in the middle smiling in his weird Mr. Burns way? Did you notice the photos in the background of no. that picture? There were, there were two framed photos either side of Wenger, and, and they both had trophies in them. And I just went off. They were in black and white then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, was, I think it was Invincibles and probably one of the double seasons. But um, yeah, I just thought. I'd, yeah, it's like a subliminal message there. You know? <laughs> um, I, I agree with Phil. I mean, contracts don't don't mean anything really these days. Uh, I think the only thing that they do mean is when you do sell them, you, you tend to get a better fee if they've got a couple of years left on it. Um, and that's probably the reason we're doing it. You know, if if people people Ramsey is the scapegoat at the moment for a lot of things and a lot of people. You know, and but if we Walcott was in the same shoes two years ago. Mm. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have had the last 10 minutes of conversation on Walcott if he'd have signed a five-year contract then. So, you know, you've just got to hope that these players show their potential and, um, I, and hopefully that will lead to us being successful and they want to stay. Or if they show their potential and the rest of the team doesn't, then we'll get, at least we'll get a decent sell-on fee because they're still on the contract. But so. the, the problem is, have we just perpetuated the situation we were talking about earlier, whereby we're giving out huge contracts to young players who haven't actually done anything to deserve it yet? Is that what's happened? And we've all sat there and applauded it? Potentially, but, but yeah. I, think, I think the difference is, is they're English, and therefore that, that you, you don't... You've got or Welsh. Or Welsh, right, British then. <laughs> probably a bit more generic. But, um, but I, th I think that helps. I think that will get... They're more likely to stay in this country if you've got a, and, and we're the we're the country that are paying the bigger wages, whereas the likes of Shamak and Squilacci and yes. Bentham and all that less likely than plus fact everyone's seen them over here, so mm. you know, <laughs> no one's going to buy them over here. Yeah, I agree, and probably Carl Jenkinson aside, the other four players you could easily sell on and get a decent wedge for them. Whereas the Chamax and the Sigalachis of the world, it's a different story. Mm. Their resale value is never going to be great whilst they earn that kind of wage. It's zero for both of them. Zero. We can't make money from either of them. So, sadly, I think all three of you are correct. Um, the same thing happened with Ashley Cole, I seem to think. Um, there was the whole thing about him being tapped up by, uh, by Chelsea, photographing the papers. He got fined and his agent got banned off in Barnet. Um, but he did sign a new contract, didn't he? And you can't help think that's the club saying, look, OK, you're going to go at the end of, next, uh, end of the last season at Highbury, we know this, but just sign this, we'll give you that £60,000 a week, but I guarantee we will see you next summer. We just want to make sure we get as much money as possible. So it's just the club, club trying to bank itself. To be honest. So on the subject of the, the club and uh, making sure it gets as much money as possible, um, this coming weekend we've got Man City at home. Um, it's a grade A game, which means your lower tier tickets range from a colossal 62 to 68 and a half pounds, with upper tier seats going from 72 pounds 50 to 123 pounds and 50 pence. Um, Mike, what do you make of this new pricing structure for tickets with grade C games, you know, one or two prep games a year, and these ridiculously higher priced grade A games? It's a really difficult one. Um... I mean, I, I don't like it. I don't like the grade A games. The prices are beyond stupid. Um, but, the, but the reverse of that is the grade C. And the, the prices on those games are reasonable in the grand scheme of things. I mean, yeah, in the context of modern football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're still ridiculous compared to what I was paying 20 years ago, but I guess we have <laughs> moved on. Um, you know, and the, from the club's point of view, the two balance out. You know, the, they could only provide the grade C by doing the grade A. I suspect there's probably a little bit of extra on, yeah. the, on, on the grade A to make it, you know, 
to make it worth their while doing the admin. But, um, but well, it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to come to the same total. Yeah. Well, I mean, theoretically, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just silly. What do you think, Bill? Is it just the way that we try and um, you know penalise the football tourists who come and see us every single game? Uh, I I don't know whether it's is it penalising the tourists? Is it penalising who is it penalising? It's penalising everyone the same way it always has, really. I mean, people like me who occasionally want to take my son to a game, we can go to a Cat C game and we can hopefully get a ticket and and it's a lot cheaper than it was and. Uh, you know, when you're only going to see Wigan or somebody, it doesn't inspire me to pay big money. And of course, my boy doesn't really care who the opposition is. He wants to go and see Arsenal, and and obviously that's all fair and proper and right. Um, but you know, 125 quid or whatever for a ticket for Man City is is somewhat ludicrous. Um, and I think it just shows that overall our ticket prices are extremely high. There's nothing. You know, there's no other conclusion you can draw. It just says. Yeah. We have very, very high ticket prices, and if you start splitting them, then you're going to show up where the really high bits are. Um, I mean, sadly, uh, we found out today that the club have made the decision to charge grade B prices for the Swansea replay, despite the fact we played them a few weeks ago and charged it as a grade C price. Mark, that's taking piss, isn't it? First of all, I was disgusted until before this, having our pre match Chinese meal which was delicious, so thank you very much for that, Mike. Very much, um, very much appreciated. And um, I think the conclusion that I, what I didn't realise, and I was so disgusted by this, was that the fact that with regards to season ticket holders, if they don't charge Category B prices, um, what it would mean is, is that um, people that buy on their silvers will be up on those that pay the season ticket for the entire year. It'd be cheaper for them mm. all year round. If that's the case, you can see why the club are um, doing it. What it means, though, is that you're going to get, I think, in the case of Swansea, a half-empty stadium, which is going to be not good for them anyone. Mm. And then, I think it was you who pointed out, or you, Mike, so I don't get this wrong, but while I was having our delicious Chinese meal, whilst not getting your money back at the end of the season, say to the season get hot people, here's 20 quid off your ticket next year, because you know the fact it did work out cheaper, and everyone goes, that's great, you Arsenal, you're lovely, oh, you treat us so brilliantly, so well, thank you very much. That's what they could do. But the harsh fact of our Dave is that next week we are going to have a half-empty stadium. There's no two ways about it. Absolutely. Swansea aren't going to bring many fans down. Um, it's a midweek game. Um, it's on the telly. It's going to be what forty thousand maximum. And it's a half-seven kickoff now as well. I think you'll find that will still be sixty thousand two hundred people. <laughs> that's what I read every week, so it must be true. Um, we've got to wrap this up quickly, but before that, um, we obviously had a huge meeting with, with an awful lot of people who write for the uh, write for the fanzine before Christmas. And um, the Guna itself began life in the autumn of nineteen eighty seven, and this season celebrating its twenty fifth anniversary. But in this age of the internet and social media, and these kids doing their thing. The football fans still have a role to play. I mean, there are a lot, lot less of them around these days, and we are a little bit worried ourselves. Um, Mike, is this something you care to elaborate on? <laughs> <laughs> That's good on the spot, Mike. It's a big question, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd like, I'd like to think we have still got a place. Um, it's clearly a worry, you know. I mean, people. I've stopped buying the program. I, I haven't bought the program for yeah. four years or so, um, and. You know, people have stopped buying the game, and you know, some some people tell you that's because we're too far too negative, and other people are just going, "Well, this is all the content out there on the internet and different blogs." Mm. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I hope we have. I think we've got some good writers um, and some not so good ones. 
All of us around this table. <laughs> looks, that's at great. <laughs> looks at me and you there, Dave. That's great. We'll go for a pint afterwards, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they're, they're, they're all great. They all give up their time and, and uh, for the fanzine, and, and that's great. You know, and I, but, and I, th I think it, the content is interesting, and you know, we just got to try and keep 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 it fresh and, and keep providing things that people are interested in reading. Anything uh, the either either of you would care to add? Oh, well, I, I think there's still definitely a market for print media. I think newspapers are. If I don't know if they're disappearing, but they obviously their circulations are down, and. Um, I think uh, the young people of whom you talk, Dave, they uh, they don't tend to buy newspapers anymore. In London, you've got two free ones anyway, and metros in other parts of the country as well. But young youngsters don't buy newspapers. If they don't buy them now, they're probably never going to buy them. So circulation will be dropping off. But magazines is a slightly different thing, and I think the the key thing is keeping it somehow a bit different to the information you get on the internet. And as long as the Guna can do that yeah, in some way. That's the key thing, but I don't know how they're going to do it or how we're going to do it. Um, no pressure. You know, long no pressure. term, but uh, but if it, if it's something that's a little bit different, because magazine sales, I don't think are down particularly, not like newspapers. So I think there's still a, there's still a print market out there. It's just it's got to be different to what's on the internet. Mark, anything from you? All I add is I'm a man that doesn't mind change, David. I will <laughs> go with change, technology, the works. If I could cast, you know, get many years ago when the young Mark was 15, 16 years of age and I went to games, the Guna inspired me, David. Me Every too. month I looked forward to it, I'd read it cover to cover and to me it was the true voice of the fans of Arsenal Football Club and I hope those youths out there now have, can feel the same way and share the same experiences that I shared when I was reading the Guna. That could be via a um, tablet version. It could be on the interweb, and it could be the physical copy we love and 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 like. But the Guna cannot stop. It has to carry on and inspire generation after generation, and that's what I believe. Inspiration. Right. <laughs> Almost time to wrap up. Before we do, a reminder that the current issue of the Guna, number two three one, with a th with a free 2013 Arsenal chance calendar, will be on sale outside the stadium for the forthcoming home matches against Manchester City and the FA Cup replay with Swansea. It can also be purchased online through the store on the online guna.com website and there is an e-edition available if you prefer to read it on your phone or tablet. Does that make you dance a lot and go crazy? I don't, again, I don't know what the kids are up to nowadays. Um, finally, the usual reminder that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, it's goodbye from Phil. Goodbye. Mike. Farewell. And Mr. Robinson. No, sorry, Ms. Jenkinson. Cheerio. Do you have any um, letters to read out, David? Uh, not, not this time. Oh. Send them in. We'll try it next time. Okay. I promise. Right, I promise. One. We'll be back in early February to mull over our FA Cup exploits or otherwise and the activities of the January tra transfer window, amongst other things. This is your host, Dave Ludo. Thanks for listening. la di da di da la di da di dee All good friends and jolly good company. Well, hey!